open in a word of prayer, and we'll uh, begin. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for this day that we gather, the first day of the week. We praise you for your son, Jesus, who lived and died for us and then rose again on the first day of the week. And ever since then, your people have then gathered to worship and celebrate you and the gospel. And that's what we're here to do this morning. Pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are on question 10. Let's review question 9 together. What does God require in the first and second, first, second, and third commandments? First, that we know and read it with me and trust God as the only true and living God. Second, that we avoid all idolatry and do not worship God improperly. Third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence, honoring also his word and works. Okay. Does anybody remember the hand motions? All right, Liam. One God, right? What's the second one? Right? Do not bow down to idols, right? Have no other gods before me. All right, thank you, Liam. What is this one? Don't take the name of the Lord in vain, right? Okay. Uh, there's a couple different ways we can do this one, right? I tend to do it like this. Wait. Oh, yes, six. You're, you're jumping ahead. We're ready for four. Help me out. Oh, you guys do it like this. That's right. That's why I get confused because I take two four fingers and put them together in a church. So <laughs> that's the why it's been hard for me because we got two different ways. Rest. And this is the topic of today's question. So we'll see what's up with that. All right. Five. What do we do? Right. Snap it. Honor your father and mother. All right, now. Yeah. <laughs> My kids use that in youth group that Sunday night. Oh, yeah? Talking about do not kill. So just so you know. Awesome. <laughs> Liam's got it going. All right, seven. There are two people in a marriage, not five. Do not commit adultery, right? And then, because if you're in Singapore and you steal, you get your thumbs cut off. All right? And then... Four is not five. Yeah. Tell the truth, right? Do not lie. And then do not covet, right? Five, ten. Okay. Um, this week's question is dealing with the fourth and fifth commandments. What does God require in the fourth and fifth commandments? Let's read it out loud together. Fourth, that on the Sabbath day we spend time in public and private worship of God, rest from routine employment, Serve the Lord and others, and so anticipate the eternal Sabbath. Fifth, that we love and honor our father and mother, submitting to their godly direction, discipline and direction. Oof, lots of memorize there. All right, um, I'm going to take these backwards. I'm going to start with the second part of that, and then talk about the first part. Um, because I think this first one's really simple. So let me just ask, uh, where do we get this one from? Exodus 20, verse 12, right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, when God gave it, it says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. In addition, Proverbs 1, 8, 9 says, Honor your father. Wait, I copied and pasted. Oh, boy, it is. 
is bad today, isn't it? One, eight, and nine. Hear my, hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So, here's the real question. What does it mean? What does this mean for a child? And I want no adults to answer this. What does that mean to honor your father and mother? Anybody in this row or over here? <laughs> what does it mean to honor your father or mother? Obey. Hit it, Crusade. Obey. All right. Anything you would describe, like, how does it, what does it mean to obey? Have your parents, like, given you, like, this is what it means to obey? I bet you they have. I bet you I even know what they've said. What do, what do they say? What does it mean to obey? What's that? Clean your room. Well, that'd be an example of something they tell you to do. Have, have you guys taught like obeying means right away, right? With a happy heart, right? And what's the other third part? Right away, all the way. Yeah, right away, all the way with a happy heart. Oof. That's what obeying, that's what honoring your father and mother means as a child. But let me ask you this, and Pastor Matt got at this re- last week, I think, a little bitter. It was uh, just recently, right? Oh, it was with the, the sermon. Yeah. What does it mean for us as adults? Well, let's, let's jump ahead then to, uh, wow. Do I have it next? Matthew 15. Let me just read this to you. Because you can feel free to look it up. But Matthew 15, 1 through 6. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. So he's asked, they're asking Jesus, we've got these traditions and you aren't obeying them. And Jesus says, well, let me ask you a question. He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. That was a tradition like they, they had a bad, they, would, they were not honoring their father and mother. They put other things above them. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Oof. Um, what does it mean for us as an adult to honor our father and mother? He, Jesus is telling us there a lot of things, but clearly that adults are still to honor their father and mother. She has. I have a, a question, I guess. So, like in the New Testament, when the church is discussing who should be on the widow's list, they say, well, if anyone has family, mm-hmm. they're not supposed to be on the church taking care of the widow's list. Yeah, I've got that verse I was going to go right Because <laughs> we think alike. <laughs> so it was the question you were starting to ask. So I was going to say, I would think that would be part of honoring your parents, that if they're in financial need as seniors mm-hmm. or you know whatever that it's your responsibility as a family member to take care of them. yeah yeah that's where i was going to go and i'll go there in a second um any other comments about what it means to honor your parents even as adults yeah i mean we've had situations where we've had and this this is where i feel like it gets difficult is where it's we've a, had to set boundaries uh-huh and 
And what I, from what I've learned through that <laughs> is that I think you have those situations, right? Where I like it's been used, it, somebody's used that verse towards us in like, <laughs> but the Bible says, so you have to. And to me, I think if, if they're having to say that, there's something wrong there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I believe that we're supposed to live in a way that's honorable. I think kind of going back to the message that you gave the other week where um, my, my mothers and brothers mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. ones who do the will of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's tough, right? Like, because how do you... You can't. That's not a blanket, black and white situation or statement. Mm-mm. It's it's tough. And so I think there's, like, for us, we've had to learn to respect in a way, but at the same time, we've had to just say, at some point, we won't do this or allow that or. Yeah. This this is not an easy one to figure out how it applies. In fact, on Wednesday night, we were talking about just the dynamics between church family and you know the family of God and blood family relationships and how difficult this is. And I think too for you know kids because obviously there's situations where kids are going to church and living a godly life and the parents aren't. Yes. So there's another situation. To me, that's the same as what I'm talking about where you live in a way that's honorable to the father and that's honoring your father and mother because you're living in a way that would bring their name honor, right? Yes, yeah, yep. So I, I put this quote up here from an article I was reading and I think those of us in the military definitely get this because we had some really bad leaders over sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you give respect not only for merit, like do they deserve it, but we're to respect them for their rank. And I think we all know someone who's the highest rank in this country that it very, it's very difficult to honor them because of merit. But we're called by God to honor them because of the position, right? So um, I think that when you go through the New Testament, you see multiple examples that we are called to honor and give them respect. But you also will see examples in Scripture in the New Testament where those lines, it doesn't mean just unqualified obedience. That's When you leave the home, it's not about obedience. Like, they can tell you what to do anymore. It's not it. And it, it, this is a really <laughs> complicated, like, well, what do I do in this situation? Well, it really depends, and it's wisdom. But you should be, if you're saturated by the word, it's going to be help. It'll help you make those decisions. The one particular one, and this is the one that Audrey was talking about, is if you look at 1 Timothy 5, um, this, this verse is really important to me because it's why I'm back in Danville. Um, it says in verse 3 through 8, honor widows who are truly widows. Okay? So you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, in other words, someone around to help them, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents. So this is for when the widow is not able to provide for herself, and if she has living family, that should be the first line of 
the church saying, okay, you have children. They should be able to help you. They need to. You provided for them all their life. It's now their turn. That's what that's saying there. But notice it's if she needs help, right? And she who is truly a widow, verse 5, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications. And it goes on then to um, talk about what it's like, how we actually take care of them. But verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially, especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Oof. So I, I think if you were like, what does it really mean to honor? I think it's a really great example of um, where to look and practically how does it mean to, what does it mean to apply I am to honor my mom and dad, right? Not, uh, Norma. Yeah, yeah. And, and there comes a time when it's clearer than others. I think what, Jeff, you're talking about is that time when it's not as clear. Like, and they make demands, especially at the holidays, right? Those are the hardest times. Oh, my goodness. So I, I just want to move on from there unless there's any other comments. Well, I was going to throw in one that we talked about Wednesday night, um, something that has stuck with me from that conversation is that when it comes to those, what about this, what about this, what about this, we're not called to do that alone. That's part of what our church family is about. So when we're like, okay, well, what about this situation? And I think a lot of people fail to do that, fail to come to the church with even these little things and say, what do you guys think? The the pastors, the teachers, but then our brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, what do you guys think? I, I need some wisdom on this. Yeah. Um, I think that's a hugely important element that we miss out on a lot. I hate being up here on this stage for this Sunday school lesson. I was going to say, there's also that general principle, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with mm-hmm. one another. Yeah. There's so many things, especially I feel like when we were first married, that we, I mean, there was that big struggle, especially when it comes to holidays and things like that. But because of those struggles, then you tended to carry that into other times where you were just like, no, I'm going to say no because I have, because I'm my own family and I'm going to do what is best for us and you're just going to not, you know, and, and, and that edge mm-hmm. came to it. Yeah, Not we did. because we wanted to live in peace, but because we were trying to like, you know, you know, autonomy. You know, we, don't, <laughs> yeah. we don't have to do, you know, and I feel like. And it was definitely influenced by their bad behavior right, from other situations. And, reaction, and so I'm. Yeah. We could be accommodating, even though we think it's dumb. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I think part of that is honoring. I, I want to say, point out somebody, and, and I apologize later if you are going to be mad about me doing this, but Todd and Mandy, you guys did something, I think, that models this, what Audrey is talking about right there this summer. The last thing you wanted to do was to, to not earn income, because Todd is not employed by anybody. He's his own boss, and went on a quote-unquote family vacation with her family and they really didn't want to do that from what I understood. I mean, she's shaking her head, you know, and, um, golly, shoot. When I go to edit this recording, I will take this section out. Okay. So it's not online. Okay. (laughs) But they, 
And, and Todd just confessed, he's like, I don't want to do this, but you guys still did. And I'm sure you probably were blessed in some ways, got to see some things that you hadn't seen. But it was, I think, driven from the principle they knew convictionally that I really don't, I, I need to honor them. And they were asking, and it was something I could do. Well, and I, I get that for like stable situations, right? Oh. Or semi-stable situations, but when you're talking about yeah, very unstable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, oh, yes. And even then, in, within that, we've had to accommodate. Like, we, we yeah. have, again, we have boundaries, but we say, yes, we will do this in a public space because yes. it's safe space. Yeah. But yep. it won't be in our home, and it won't be at your home. Yes. Or, and, and even then, we cross that line sometimes just to, again, because yep. what's your end goal, right? It, with, especially with... Um, wayward <laughs> parents yep. is your end goal is Absolutely. To, to still point them to Jesus in the yeah. midst of that, right? And sometimes pointing them to Jesus doesn't mean doing what they ask to do. Or yeah. what's or what's necessarily comfortable for me. So yes, it's yeah. a give and take, and I agree with Matt 100%. I, I think the problem is the church, from my... <laughs> <laughs> the church has messed a lot of that up. Yeah. From like, including abusive marriages where it's like, no, the Bible says, absolutely, you have to. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You've just given the husband full mm-hmm. authority and access, and, and he's not in a stable place to do that. So I think there's a, there's a fear in bringing it to the church because of that whole... Yeah, yeah. Because it's not always a wise... Um, I don't know. You know what I'm saying. When, when there's... When there's healthy community at your church, then you should be running things by each other. And, and that's what we, that's what we strive for. I don't think we have a perfect, but it'd be, you know, we run each other by like these life decisions. We talked about Kathy was thinking about going to cosmetology school for months before you actually did it. And I told her like, you didn't, we weren't going to tell you you can't, that's not our job, but it's important to involve those, your family with those decisions. Um, the Bible, you never can take one command and isolate it from other commands. Okay, so that means as a husband and a father, that is my primary responsibility in my role that God has made me and put me. And when I'm faced with tough decisions, I have to consider what is right for, the, for my family from God's word, principles, wisdom, all that has to be applied. And sometimes that means I have to make decisions that the world or others may say, this isn't, that's not honoring your mother and father. Well, okay. Do you really want to sit down and hear the situation? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, hey, yeah. I think the word that keeps coming to my mind is enablement. Oh, like, enablement. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's very easy to just go along with stuff and just be like, well, I'm doing this
being able to take care of themselves. Like, well, if you indebted yourself for the last four decades, is that my responsibility to pick up the slack because you were really responsible for your decisions? Right, right. You know, no. so, and I can see how that would be like, it filters into life. Like, I think the point of what we're we're seeing is this command is very difficult to to make it black and white and what that looks like for every decision. And it's easy for us too to read the Bible and see that and now think, well, I'm in the 21st century. We have these really complicated, messed up families. I don't know how how I can make that decision because it's not the same. And let me just say, the Old Testament families look like a Jerry Springer show. Okay? They totally had to face weird, hard, hard situations, right? I, I've always found it very easy to do this when my mom is one... Oh, wait, she already left. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me move on to the next question, though. Because the next question, I didn't think that one would take as long. <laughs> this next one is really difficult. And you wouldn't think, why is this, like, so difficult? I'm, I'm going to be interested to see if we even agree. We totally do. Because I even... Yeah. We, we totally... I, I'm, we've talked about it, and we agree. So, um, but here's what's interesting. I told you when we first started going through this catechism, I would not agree with all answers. Okay? So this is one that we have the answer, but I don't agree with it, which is really interesting. And you are free to disagree with me on this. So let me explain that. First of all, um, what does it... Wow, I did... I should not have done these at the time of day that I did these. This is supposed to be the question, where do we get this from? So Genesis 2, 1 through 3. I want to go here first before we go to the commandment in Exodus 20. Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. What is the repetition you see in that passage? He had done. There's also another word repeated. Rested and work. Rested from work. Rested from work. Now God didn't need to rest, but he, he just ceased from his labors and set the pattern from the beginning of creation. Okay, we get this command from the fourth command in the Ten Commandments. Sorry, it's a little bit smaller. Um, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourners within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made the heaven the earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What is the primary theme that you see in there? It's the same thing. Does it say anything about this is the day you should go to church in that commandment? Have you ever noticed that? The fourth commandment says nothing about this is the day to go to church. But that's how it's been interpreted for a long time. Now, I will admit that in Numbers chapter 
20, I think it is. The priests were to do double the sacrifices on this day, on the Sabbath. And the people were to not work. Every day was to be a day of worship, as it is still to this day. Right? So, the pattern of rest is really the theme of the Sabbath. Now, there's two views within the Christian church about this command and how it applies to the New Testament, okay? The first view is called the Christian Sabbath. And that view is that the fourth commandment is now applied to Sundays and that we should not do work. If you have a job, you shouldn't go to your job. That is that view, and that you should dedicate that day to the Lord. And it's stated really clearly in our verse, well, our, our catechism answer. You can just see it on your paper. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. Right there, it really explains what that view is. That on the Sabbath day, we spend time in public and private worship, rest from routine employment, serve the Lord and others, and so anticipate the eternal Sabbath. Okay, that's our catechism is espousing, giving that Christian Sabbath view. And I would say that I don't agree with it. And I'm going to give you a few reasons why I don't agree with it. Um, The second view is called the Lord's Day. All right. Because in Revelation 1 verse 10, John describes writing on the Lord's Day. And then we see a couple of other patterns through the New Testament where the people are worshiping on the first day of the week. And it's referred to thought of as the Lord's Day. Um, I put in here some helpful articles that I encourage you to read. These are really, they're not super long, but they do answer a lot of these questions. But let me just give you the first reason why I don't agree with this view. But um, before I do that, I want to, I think I did put on this. There's two views, okay? But first look at Colossians 2.16, okay? The Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Don't let anyone pass judgment on you. That verse right there, Paul is declaring that there are some people who would follow the Sabbath and there are some who don't. And this is not an area of judgment. This is an area of Christian freedom. So think about this. If you are in the year 35 AD and you're Jewish and you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and you've put your hope in him, you're probably still celebrating the Sabbath in some ways because it's just part of your life and what you've done your whole life. And it's been transformed now Because you see all these things that you've done in the Sabbath as a Jewish person, and you see them all pointing to Jesus. It's awesome. But there would be this temptation to say, you Gentiles are to do that. And Paul addresses this here and in Romans and a couple of other places. Nope. In fact, the next verse says what the point of the Sabbath and all those other things were. But these are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to Christ. So in other words, it's interesting, out of the Ten Commandments, nine of them are reiterated in some fashion in the New Testament that we're to obey. 
So you can see them like in different ways stated through the New Testament that you're still to obey those. So that helps us see that part of the Ten Commandments are still active in our life in terms of what we're to do. This is the only commandment that is not reiterated as a commandment is instead, as you'll see in Hebrews 4, described as fulfilled in Christ. Whoa, what does that mean? (laughs) Those articles will be very helpful and I'm going to try to explain them a little bit. My first reason for disagreeing with these is, think about this. Okay, what was the point of the Sabbath that we saw in Genesis and in Exodus? What was the repeated word? Rest. From? Work. Okay. If the point of the Sabbath, according to Scripture, was to rest from work, wouldn't you think that in the New Testament, in Acts, and in early church writings from the same period, you would see evidence that the new Christians rested on the Sabbath. Wouldn't you think? You won't find any. There are no examples that says the Christians rested on the Lord's Day or on the Sabbath. You do see that Jews were still celebrating the Sabbath, but on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, you see no indications in the Bible or in church history writings, that they treated Sunday as a day of rest. Like they had, it doesn't mean it's wrong to, but there was no mandatory requirements and they were not doing that. In fact, it's very likely that most of those believers that were poor had to work on those days because they were slaves. What do you do with that? Right? So to me, the strongest argument against the other position, and there's, there's books written on this topic, and we can feel free to disagree. I'm just going to give you my argument, and I, like, Matt, tell me if you disagree at any point yet. <laughs> but um, to me, the strongest argument against it is the New Testament doesn't give us any examples where the believers treated the Lord's Day Sunday like the Jewish Saturday Sabbath. I don't see any examples of it. And no commands to. And then the bigger next argument is Hebrews chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, I don't have it printed up there because it's a little long. Hebrews 4, 1 through 8. It says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. What is he talking about there? So I've been preaching through Joshua. Joshua's about entering the promised land. What the Old Testament often does, and I haven't brought this up in my sermons, is that it links the Sabbath with the promised land. Entering the promised land is also synonymous with entering the Sabbath rest. It's like Sabbath, the seventh day, was going to be filled up in a long period of just eternal rest like work would be just a delight it wouldn't be toil and the people of israel failed to enter the promised land that rest because of their unbelief in the wilderness that's what he's talking about here so verse two for good news came to them came to us just as to them but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened for we who have believed Enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. 
although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who were formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he said, appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterwards in the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And you're probably like, what is he saying? Hebrews is probably the hardest book in the New Testament to understand. (laughs) And I highly commend to you um, John Piper's series on Hebrews. Very helpful. But here's the point of what that passage is saying is that Jesus... All of the Old Testament law, you had to labor to obey in order to be to believe to be justified by God. At least the thought was that, right? And you labored under the law, and the whole thing was that you figured out you can't obey it and you can't keep it. And so God instituted these sacrifices too to show you you need a savior who would sacrifice himself for you and you'd not earn forgiveness through the sacrifices, but they would be pictures. And you're laboring and laboring. And what Jesus did, that this passage is trying to explain, is he obeyed that law fully. He did the work and obeyed completely and entered that rest. And it says, we who have believed, verse 3, have entered that rest. In other words, the Sabbath commandment was obeyed by Jesus fully, and if you are united to him through faith, you have now entered that rest because through faith, believing, you have now been joined to Christ. And there still remains an eternal rest where we will all be with him together. So it's one of those weird already, but not yet. (laughs) So you're already, every Sunday, we do a couple of things. Right? Many things. But one of the things we do is we're celebrating the fact that we've already entered that rest. A lot more we could say, a lot more. But Matthew 10, 28 comes right before, the, right before chapter 11, which is talking about the Sabbath. And it's really interesting. If you take out the chapter divisions and just kind of read right through, you'll see, oh, this verse is connected to Sabbath. And Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he's talking about the weight that the Pharisees had put on their shoulders. And he says, you come to me, and I will give you rest from that. So, so practically, like, for me, I've been, and maybe I'm like not in the same zone you are. And that'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I know Todd works for himself. I know, I'm sure... For a lot of others that mm-hmm. have their own businesses, um, I when I did woodworking, I got to the point where I was working seven days a week, mm-hmm. not benefits. And, and I'm not saying, yeah, not maybe I should say that. what I'm not saying here before you finish. Go ahead. What I'm not saying is that you should not apply the practical principle of rest. <laughs> because if Genesis 2, if you look at Genesis 1 and 2, it lays out a pattern for how God's world should be. 
In other words, there is a husband and a wife, and they're called to have children and spread the image of God, the glory of God through image bearers. There's rest as well. You see the pattern, and then Genesis 3 shows that the pattern gets broken. But if it's in Genesis 1 and 2, you see a pattern for life that God intended. And one of the principles would be rest. And if you did it on the seventh day, then you ought to find a day that you're resting. But it can't be law. Okay, okay. So you're getting at the law of it. The law of it. But, yeah. And I I mean, go ahead. Donnie, you had a question? Why Matthew 10, 28 doesn't say that? Okay, what's it say? It says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Ah, Jesus. What a wonderful, I'm just scoring great today on my PowerPoint. Hey, I did great on PowerPoint too. So. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron already faced all of us too. Is it the end of chapter 11? It's chapter 11, verse 28. Yeah, that would be radically different because Donnie's looked at me the other day with, with uh, like translation differences because I had put a different translation up I had done an NIV. He's like, why doesn't it say that? And I thought that's where you were going to go. I'm like, no, that's completely a different verse. Thank you. That's Matthew eleven twenty eight. But anyway, so Jeff, what? Yeah, it's, it's that we cannot make. The fourth commandment is a law for the Old Testament believer. It's been fulfilled in Christ. But just because it's fulfilled doesn't mean that I don't apply the principle of rest. You, just, you don't have that, that pressure, that like. <laughs> the legalism that you says. You are, you sinner. You should not be. Like many of you are old enough to remember Danville with businesses closed on Sunday. Yes. Like so all of them. What's yes. that? Or they close, they're either closed on Sunday or they close at 5. Right, exactly. And that was just the effect of, frankly, the Puritans coming to America and enforcing Sabbath law, mm-hmm. which um, the strain, the history of the people that wrote this catechism come down from that. Mm-hmm. So, Audrey. I was going to just say, there's definitely the ditches, right? Oh, totally. The ditch of, you know, the guys who tell the stories about they weren't allowed to play with toys on Sundays. And they weren't allowed to eat out on Sunday. Seriously. There was all these you thou shalt nots on a Sunday. And then there's the other, you know, the, the ditch of, mm-hmm. right? So the, the balance part is usually when you're looking at your life and you're going, I'm so angry and oppressed by this American life that makes me hurry, 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 hurry. Is we totally neglected Absolutely. the rest yeah. side. Yes, totally exactly. Right? And we're trying to say, say well, I can work on Sunday and I can do all this stuff and you can't tell me what to do and you're missing the benefit and the blessing of the rest. Yes, absolutely. And um, one of my teachers from seminary, you can go to his website, biblicalspirituality.org, has some great articles on this topic. <clears throat> he, has, he, calls, he says there's three views. He's, there's the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, and the oblivious view. <laughs> and he talks about that. Those, those people that think nothing about this and Sunday is just another day for them. They have to go to church, but they, they nothing special about it. And he encouraged us, and I don't think I've done this well as a parent. Um, he encouraged us to make Sunday a special day for you and your family. Like, um, maybe that's the day you have dessert. Like, you, you say, all week we're not going to have dessert. To make it special, not as a law, but as to help us focus to help us focus, right? Aaron. <clears throat> uh, in Matthew, 
they're, it's on the Sabbath day, they're walking through the field, and the disciples take the grain and the flowers, and the Pharisees get mad at them. In verse 8, he says, For the Lord, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Yes. So, and then doesn't he go on to say that man was not made? Okay, but it, yeah. Yes. You got to make it about Jesus. Exactly. So the idea is to delight in God. Exactly. Right. It's in Romans where Paul says some people esteem one day above another, others esteem every day the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what we shouldn't do is not esteem any. Yeah, right. So. This is an area that we're, we're, you're free to disagree. There's Christian liberty, we say here, but there should be charity in this, right, towards each other if we disagree on that and what it would look like. But it's clear that there's a principle of rest. You are not obligated by law somehow that you have to do what the Old Testament says in that because Jesus obeyed and fulfilled it all for you. Mm-hmm. But um, it's my day to fill up. That's the way I look at it. You know, my week, I'm all depleted by the end. Of the oh, got it. You know, it's like to fill up, to to re to re reboot, reboot to yeah. regenerate, it just to fills me up. You know, with like as much as I can put in. Yeah. Spiritually, you know, yep. and um, you know, reading and praying and yeah. you know, attending church, and then I'm ready to take on uh, the work. Yeah. We are way over. Let me pray. And I, I really appreciate the, the interaction here today. God, I just thank you for the fact that Jesus obeyed all of the Ten Commandments perfectly, all of even the ritual law that you laid out. Every single thing he obeyed perfectly in our place, even though we can't, and because we cannot. And then he took the payment for our sins where we have not obeyed. And then he rose from the dead as promised and sealed that that was enough. Pray that we would help, we would make much of you. Every day, for sure. But especially on the Lord's day, we would make much of you. Help us in the next hour and a half this morning to make much of you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.